First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. Hello, I'm Kelly Crichton and this is The Reset Room. We're here to give you the tools you need to succeed and to answer your questions on your journey to fulfillment. This week, we're talking all about burnout and how best to avoid it. If you haven't listened before, there are plenty of other episodes to catch up on, covering topics from performance and stress to dealing with tricky relationships. This week, I'm joined by Kay Woodburn of Gritty People, a people development consultancy specializing in behavioral change in all aspects of life, from global business to elite sport. Kay founded the company from a passion and deep curiosity around human behavior and how an individual's beliefs, focus and interactions can influence successful and sometimes not so successful outcomes. Hi Kay, welcome back to series two of The Reset Room. How are you? I'm really well, thank you, Kelly. I'm really excited to be to be back doing more episodes of the Reset Room. Oh, it's great to see you. Yeah, we've had such good feedback on the first series. Really excited to kind of get going with series two. We've even had some award nominations, you know, so we're just like super excited to be back. So we've got some really good topics coming up in this series. We're talking about burnout today. You and I will be talking about valuing time as well and listeners can pick up the podcast wherever they get their podcast normally. But on to the topic of today. It's all about burnout today, Kate. Let's start by talking about just exactly what burnout can be described as. Yeah, sure. And I think burnout is a big thing for everyone. I think the first thing before I talk about burnout uh, as what it's described as is this is not unique to just people at work. And I think sometimes people think it is. Um, Burnout can be caregiver burnout, work burnout, athletic burnout, um, parental burnout. So burnout as an umbrella statement is a physical and emotional exhaustion. Um, so it's something that happens when we're experiencing stress over the long term. And so activities that we're doing feel draining and it's not one activity, it's mm-hmm. over and over and over again, which is different to just simply feeling stressed because that mm-hmm. sense tends to be associated with just shorter term goals. And stress mm-hmm. is something that we all feel, right? Like, we, you know, we, need, we have a deadline, uh, yeah. we've got a target to achieve um, and, you know, and some level of stress is healthy. So, mm. yeah, so burnout is is not stress. It's stress over a long period of time, which is physically and emotionally draining for us. Yeah, unfortunately, I think, you know, stress is an inevitable part of life, isn't it? But, you know, this is something that seemed to be getting more and more common before the pandemic, you know, this kind of chat about burnout. But then I think because like through no choice of our own, we ended up with a better work life balance. A lot of people were forced to work from home, maybe leveled out a bit. But then again, you had the pressures around, some people had pressures around childcare. They might have been homeschooling, trying to work at the same time or care for relatives. I'm not sure if it's any better than it was before the pandemic now. What do you think? 
I think we experienced with the pandemic such a halt. Um, you know, everything kind of stopped. And like you said, like the, the but, but with that halt, there was change. So mm. whereas before the pandemic, perhaps, you know, we were on, 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 and we were, we were constantly filling our uh, days with lots of different activities, arguably for, for, you know, for a lot of people, it's not that that stopped. It's just that the activities changed. Mm. And if you think yeah. about that from a psychological point of view, what, uh, you know, at one level we're saying actually we're spending more time at home with our families, et cetera, et cetera. So mm-hmm. it's almost creeps up on us. So, you know, mm. it, burnout doesn't knock on the door and say, hey, you know, in two weeks' time, if you don't stop, you're going to feel really burnt yeah. out and you're you're going to be mm-hmm. fatigued and, and everything else. So we kind of might think, well, we should um, be feeling better and, and more relaxed and, and almost feel guilty because we're not. So uh, feeling that way. And, and actually, interestingly, there was a big survey done during the pandemic by the World Health Organization. Mm-hmm. And it looked at what is happening during the pandemic, like what, what what is happening in terms of these changes and where have we seen the biggest impact. And like I said, not only have we during that time had to change the things we've done every day, but there's also the emotional challenges. And remember, burnout is yeah. about being physically and emotionally drained. Um, yeah. And of course, initially, it was a short-term thing, so it might have felt a bit stressful, but that very quickly mm-hmm. turned into a long-term thing. So these multiple short-term things gather together and become long-term stress which is is what burnout is so yeah Mm. I mean the World Health Organization did this really interesting study about how lockdown had impacted burnout and 46 percent of people said they were experiencing more extreme levels of stress compared to the year before wow so actually you know that's almost half of um the people surveyed and this is a world health organization this isn't a small study this is a big study yes um that's been done um but i should also share that 15 percent felt they were less stressed you know then and they weren't experiencing any form of burnout um so of Mm. course that number's a lot less significant but i think it just puts some context to to this conversation which is Yes, there are an amount of people that are saying this is great. There are a great number of people that are suffering more. And, and there was there's a lot more of that. Like there's there was nine key things that were contributing to it, which yeah, um we, we could probably guess some of them, but maybe not all of them. <laughs> mm, yeah. I imagine yeah, it compounded for some people, you know, depending on your situation, it might have made life a lot easier, you know. But on other people, then it made life a lot more complicated and difficult. And I guess that's what's sort of borne out in that survey results, isn't it? That yeah, absolutely. People had very different experiences. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really important point. Everyone's so different and everyone's so unique. So everybody were going into that pan- pandemic at a different starting point. So let's yep. say I'm financially stable. Uh, I'm going to mm-hmm. make up a scenario, financially stable, no children at home, um, maybe retired, for example, might be mm-hmm. a good example of that, mm-hmm. no children at home um, and financially feeling stable. Of course, you're going into that pandemic less stressed, right? It's like not mm-hmm. much maybe would change other than the obvious, like the isolation, concerns about physical health. Yeah. But actually, in terms of some of those nine things, uh, it wouldn't mm-hmm. impact me that much. Well, you take those nine things, which I'll share with you now, 
And yeah. I'd say there's like six of them present. Of course, that's going to increase the amount of short-term stress and, and create this sense of burnout. Yes. So, yeah, so those nine things, those nine key things that have created this extra burnout during that period, I would say six of those nine are still very present today, regardless um, okay. of whether there's a pandemic mm. or not. So mm. one of them's money, worries, worrying about, yep. um, you know, money whether you're running a business or whether whether yep. you fear of losing a job working from home mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. which of course I'm sure everyone um will be you know can cast their minds back and remember what that feels like if you're not used to working from mm-hmm. home that boundary and the the in the the work energy being in your family yep. space and, and even energetically yep. that that's quite a big impact um mm-hmm. and of course this is also one that um was a pro and a con for people because some people loved it and some people really didn't. Um, mm. Job security, not surprisingly, just you know the furlough and things like that. Um, yeah. That really had an impact on people's well-being and stress levels. Isolation, again, I think that's quite an obvious one. Not having the freedoms that we had before. Physical health was one of the key indicators. Sleep was really high. That was at like eighty-three percent mm. of people were finding okay. and sleep yeah. really stressful relationships was a big indicator as well um for burnout mm. homeschooling obviously if you don't have kids then, mm. uh, or you don't have children oh God. <laughs> the horror the horror of homeschooling yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and i think if we uh, cast our minds back we'll all if you have children at home we'll remember that well and then caregiving like, you know looking after others you know that, yeah. that need to look after yeah. others so, so there were nine nine key mm. indicators but like i said i think you know but like I said before, burnout isn't just a job-related thing. And if you look at what yep. what the key indicators are, most of them are actually not job-related. They're parental-related, yep. caregiver-related. Um, and, and the thing about it, Kelly, is that people generally with burnout, this is one of the big things, is that they feel that they are failing in their role, whether that's a role of parental or caregiver or in their role at work or their sport. And so they hide it because they feel vulnerable and it feels quite raw to say, oh, you know, this self-perception that I'm not doing a good job. So people tend to hide the struggle and then don't share yeah. how they feel with other people. But look, this survey is on a world scale and uh, lots yeah. of people experienced it through the pandemic. Um, and the challenge is what is to, for me now, like I say, I think six of those are still very prevalent, present. Mm. The isolation one, not anymore in most parts mm. of the world. Uh, mm. The homeschooling, again, not anymore in most parts of the world. Mm. And also working from home. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it is optional now for a lot of organisations. Uh, yeah. But I think those three yeah. you could take out of this now. The others are still there, right? Because that's something that runs yeah. us um, and can be present all the time. Yeah. I think there's, you know, like if you look around your friends and family, there's not a lot of people that weren't affected negatively in some respect. Whilst it's great that there was some people out there who who weren't maybe, but you know, you even talk about sort of the re, you know retired people, but maybe they were a bit more vulnerable. Their health was more vulnerable, yeah, you know, than young younger people or whatever. So, I guess it's it's everybody's situation was unique. But I think we've all seen it. We've all seen the burnout and the anxiety and everything during the pandemic. And hopefully it is much less now. But I think it's it's useful that we're still talking about it because it's it's one of those things that like, OK, oh, the pandemic's gone. So burnout's gone. As you say, no, it's not. You've only taken away a, a portion of those contributing factors. So we've all felt exhausted at times, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're suffering from burnout. How do you spot the signs of burnout, Kay? 
Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. And again, it comes down to that stress and burnout. Yeah. I think we, we're really good at making up really good reasons or excuses to say, I'm not burnt out, I'm just a bit tired. Mm. And, and and sometimes that may be true. So nobody knows the answer to that question really better than the individual. Yeah. But my, my lookouts would be the things that, to notice and I would say if you're noticing them happening quite consistently as well just there's mm-hmm. pure energy depletion so I was speaking yeah. to somebody actually just yesterday and uh, we talked about um his day and how he functions throughout the day and his agenda and everything else and he was saying you know get to eight o'clock and he's done and his words were I am wasted I am good for nothing yeah. like I am going nowhere I can't do anything and and it's like well that that consists like look if you have a couple of days like that you might have just left it all on the pitch kind of um, sense you know at work or whatever yeah. it is that you've been doing but actually yeah. like, feeling that consistently where you know you've you you're literally dropping at the end of the day I would I would say that's a sign of energy depletion where right. you really are going really deeply into the reserves on a consistent yeah. basis um so that kind of energy depletion is a lookout mm-hmm. the other thing is like being unable to perform effectively so what I see a lot in people that are Burn, on the way into burnout is lack of confidence so that okay. oh, I can't remember I can't remember things or they may say that they are you know not performing as well at work as they normally could mm. or again if it's an athlete you know they're not performing in the sport in the way that they normally would mm-hmm. and the lack of confidence is a bit of a sign because look if you're already skilled and knowledgeable in your role and you already know you are because you've done it before whatever that role is and mm. all of a sudden you're not performing and you're doing the same goal or task yeah you know exhaustion extended periods of exhaustion re- leads to cognitive problems so you know you you can't um, cognitively process things as effectively and there's again loads of research about how that happens lack of sleep mm-hmm. how much it reduces your performance etc so so that's a that's another sign to look for mm-hmm. that that sense of look question yourself don't just think oh I'm not good at what I'm doing anymore I think we've done what's changed mm-hmm. and again if, if you you've got a bit of energy depletion and um performance is reducing I would start to wonder mm-hmm. you know am I doing too much am I, am I on the, the path to burnout mm-hmm. other I guess more physical things things like headaches mm-hmm aches in you know aches in your body like you might get aches in your shoulders and chest and things like that you know just where you're holding tension yes that's usually a good sign okay you see people like i'm getting a migraine but i'm drinking plenty of water and i'm not sure why well you know if medically and again you know headaches need to be consistent headaches would need to be checked out medically mm. as, as well of course but you know if you check you've got no answer for it and it's consistent headaches as well are a good sign of burnout mm. And I guess the other one thing I would just add here, and I don't know if, if, if you're familiar with this, but I, I work with a lot of athletes in particular that have experienced this, yep. um, is uh, adrenal fatigue. So adrenal fatigue is um, is basically when your adrenal glands are depleting. So the adrenaline in your adrenal glands, of which you've got two of them, so, so when they start to deplete, it basically means you're, uh, you're using too much adrenaline. Okay. And of course, that's connected to cortisol, yeah. so, which is connected to stress. Um, so there's a thing called adrenal fatigue, which is um, directly linked to burnout. Okay. Um, so again, all the things that I've just said, the signs to look for can lead to that adrenal fatigue as well. Yeah. So it's basically you just haven't got enough adrenaline in your body to give you the energy that you need to keep performing. Okay. Is that something like you'd come across with 
high performance athletes when they're actually competing a lot, if they're kind of switched on a lot for, you know, a, a series of days or whatever? Is that the kind of thing that they would experience? Absolutely. And yeah. and I, I, I and I see it a lot in athletes, but also in people at work, right? Because yeah. if you think it goes back to exactly that, it's that always on without mm-hmm. taking time to switch off. So you're constantly yeah. burning adrenaline, yeah. burn, yeah. you know, your cortisol's always switched off. Yeah. So it's like any fuel, if you burn it too much, you're going to run out. And then yeah. when you go to the reserves, you know, you you there is you, none. you you've, you've <laughs> Yeah, you've already gone yeah. too far. So, yeah. and this is my point that I made earlier on, Kelly, about you know it doesn't let you know. It just is mm, like mm-hmm. we don't have a red warning light unless yeah. you're looking for it. Like you know, yeah. in the car, um, you know, yeah. you get this red warning light. It says, right, you need to go and fill up. But now, as human beings, there is one, as you've mm. said. What do I need to look? Okay, what do we need to look for? But if you're not looking for them, it isn't going to like flash up in your face. So these are <laughs> these are things to look for. Um, so we don't go into the reserve tank wouldn't it be great if there was that red light because you could see it Mm. and everybody else could see it and it'd be like oh okay Kelly needs a break her little red lights come on you know (laughs) and that's the shame of mental health issues isn't it that they can't be seen so they're more difficult to identify both by ourselves and by others you know Mm. maybe in years to come there'll be some sort of a physical representation of those uh, stress levels or lack of adrenaline as you say Mm. okay so the next logical question is how do we prevent burnout what are the things we can do to prevent burnout? Yeah, so there's quite a few things. And it's interesting you say actually about other people. And I think that's probably worth talking about as well at some point. Is it like how other people can help us? Because, you know, if we're looking to mm. identify it in ourselves, we can then, that's internal. We can also externalize that and look for it in others as well and be a source of support for people that may not see it in themselves. Mm. Uh, I think in terms mm. of, you know, what you can do yourself to prevent it, this is like, the age-old question, isn't it? Like taking time for you. Yeah. But there's two levels. So I think I'll show you in two levels because for some people, the, the the regular, what may seem like bigger stuff may seem more challenging. So I'll start with the everyday stuff mm. because, again, like I speak to them and they go, oh, yeah, you know, I'll go for a spa day once a year. But actually, that's probably too late. Like the red light we haven't seen has gone way before then. So, you know, Mm. everyday stuff that you can just do without having to actually take that much time out would be things like, well, I'll I'll start with... I start with like uh, morning, right? So in the morning, setting some intentions for the day. So whether it's a gratefulness journal or a, a five minutes while you're having your cup of tea that, that just writes down all the things that you intend to do throughout the day, for example. Do you know, like mm-hmm. keeping the day on, not necessarily on a, you know, positive, but on a intentional, if okay. that makes sense. Because some yeah. things we have to do that that, that we don't want to do. But if you've got some like high level intentions for the day written down, and mm-hmm. I don't mean your tasks, by the way, Kelly, what I mean is I'm going to remember to smile. I'm going to remember to breathe. Yeah. I'm going to remember to mm-hmm. take an opportunity to laugh at things that are funny. They sound like might sound like crazy things, but honestly, when we're when we're super stressed, the things that can you know they can change our state really quickly. Yep. So set in a couple of things at the beginning of the day, whether you're doing your head while you're having a cup of tea or right down. Um, and what that will lead to is mindful moments. Um, yeah. So advice that I gave uh, gave to a lot of my clients, and um, and I know a lot of them still do it now. Even once I don't like work with anymore, uh, they have alarms on mm. the phones or on the uh, Apple watches and things like that. So um, 
at like at a certain time these alarms go off and say at two o'clock and no matter what they're doing it's just a reminder to breathe just to stop and take a mindful breath yeah sort of check in with yourself isn't it yeah yeah and I know it's breathing something we've talked about in the past but again it's like that nice just just a minute to stop and breathe can just give you that space yeah. between a stimulus and a reaction. So you just stop and recalibrate mm. with yourself. The other thing that's really good, because I think, you know, that World Organization, uh, Health Organization survey that I mentioned mm. before, like the highest thing on there was sleep. Yeah. And when your brain is so full because you're busy all the time, and that essentially is what's creating mm. this burnout is it's hard to switch off. So one of the things that we know really helps is writing um, your to-do list for the day before at the end of the day. Mm. So when you when you get to the end of the day, write your to-do list. Um, and what it does is two things. One, it organises your thinking in terms of saying, right, the door is closed on work now or whatever it is that you've done that day. It's now this separation yeah. between what you've been doing and what you, you know, switch off time. The other thing it does um, is subliminally you start to work, um, sorry, subconsciously, you you start to work mm. on these things overnight. So actually there's been a lot of research done on making lists at the end of the day and how that improves your effectiveness the following day. So okay. interesting. Yeah. It is so interesting mm. because with it's not causing you any stress. You do it while you sleep, it's just going on in, in the background. But actually, you perform what you do in the day after much more effectively, so you get things mm. done more quickly. Great. Okay, that's a great tip. Yep. And then the other last thing is create a, an everyday thing is a support network, like having mm. somebody, like people around you throughout the day that you can ask for for support, whether it's okay. delegation, whether it's you know saying to a friend, "Look, I'm just struggling at the moment with lots on. You know, it'd really help help me if you could just give me a call once a week and check in." because I'm, you know, not taking time for myself or, mm. um, you know, just just being open really, Kelly, and just, you know, you people forget sometimes how much other people are willing to help and how much they're loved yeah. by yes. people. Absolutely, uh, and yeah. can, You know, you can you think it's just you, but then when you start to talk to people, like, yeah, of course, I'll ring you on a Monday and we'll have five minutes, and that can yeah. just be enough to, to offload a little bit. Yeah, um, I think people feel like they are troubling their friends or family, you know, if they need something and they kind of probably just compounds the problem. Whereas in reality, if they knew you were struggling, of course, they'd want to help you. You know, of course, they'd want to be support you no matter what you're going through, even if it's not like, as you say, like you don't have to be like completely, completely at the end of your tether or burnt out or whatever, just on a regular basis, having that sort of check in, you know, it just it means a lot. And nobody ever regrets those phone calls, do they? You know? No. And and that, you know, that end of, you know, when you say about end of your tether, that's where we don't want to mm-hmm. get to, right? We don't want to get to the point yeah. where we're so burnt out, we're exhausted, we're considering leaving our jobs, yeah. we're thinking about leaving a relationship because or whatever it is. And yeah. then, and because the problem has become so big, it almost feels mm-hmm. insurmountable. It's not insurmountable, and it is always um, fixable. But it's yeah. it, it's like says like if you can release some of that before it becomes a problem, we we don't have to ever get to burnout. Yeah. So so talk to us a bit about that then. What if 
it is too late? What if you are burnt out? What what can you do? Is there help out there? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, medically, um, if it feels like you need to go and see somebody medically because it has gone that to that, that mm-hmm. it's really important to go and do that, to you know, speak to a doctor or it's so much support out there in terms of mental health, in terms of, um, you know, getting some help in, 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 if it feels yeah. like, you know, it has got to a point where you, you don't feel like you're coping. But I would just, again, say that... Um, there is always an answer to this stuff, right? There, there is always a way back. It, it, it's a, a conscious yes. way back. And it's even better mm-hmm. if we catch it before. But if there's anyone listening, I think, God, I'm already listening to this and I'm thinking, I am, I have hit burnout. What 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 shall I do? Yeah. Yeah. The biggest thing is that it's time to talk, right? Because um, we want to talk about recovery because recovery is possible. So I, I'd say the yep. first thing is acknowledging it. So if you're already there and you're listening to this thing, right, I'm already there, is there is an answer. You've, if you're ready to acknowledge it, there's a big tick there. First step. Step mm-hmm. one, yeah, because that was always step one. He's saying, look, I sat, this sounds like me. So I, I think I'm in burnout. I need to go and do something about it. Um, there, And then it's, you know, I always say like recover, recover, recover. It doesn't matter if... Um, if you are, this is work, athletically, parental burnout, caregiver burnout, whatever it is, it's still burnout. So in any kind of performance, um, like I said, it doesn't matter which one of those things it covers, we should be putting about 25% of our time in for recovery. Now, that might sound to some people like, oh, my God, I haven't got time to go to the toilet and brush my teeth. <laughs> I've got that much going yeah, on. That's, that sounds like a lot to me, to be honest. Yeah, I'm, you know. It so, does sound like yeah. a lot. Uh, and it's like this optimal place to be. So, you know, look, if it's if it's five minutes a day, like I said, that's that regular everyday five minutes. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's it's stepping back into recovery. It's stepping back into preventing burnout and uh, recovering from it. So it's good. The important thing is, it doesn't matter if it's twenty five percent, five minutes, or whatever. Wherever you start, just start is is the first thing. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. the second thing is make it an appointment with yourself. Right? If you have a diary, put it in your diary. If you have an electronic diary on your calendar, on your email put it in your diary and make them appointments yep. as important as meeting the ceo of your company you know the, the whoever it is so whatever it is in your world that you you would never not attend that appointment um because mm, you would put such mm. a high value on it make that you make that you to recover so that could be like I say, it could be a bit of meditation. It could be a 20-minute power walk. It could be a conversation with your friends, you know, that friend that just makes you laugh and you just smile when you hear the name, yep. you know. Um, yep. And if, if possible, go for a massage. Um, treat yourself. Um, go for a 30-minute massage. So whatever it is for you, recovery could be, you know, it could be jumping in um, one of these cold dip pools. Uh, you know, it could be a, a, a sauna. Yeah. It could be a swim. It doesn't matter is my point, Kelly. It's it's taking some yes, time yes. to just start to reverse yep. that cycle yep. of burnout. Yeah, absolutely. And sort of recenter ourselves, isn't it? Is there anything else you'd suggest for someone who feels they're burnt out? Yeah, I think I think the other thing that is really important and a bit of a, a pandemic in itself is feeling like you've never done enough. So part of burnout is like always wanting to do more, be more, have more, this yes. idea that, you know, yeah. we can never switch off. It's never enough. Yeah. So, yeah, the yeah. other thing I would say is part of, and maybe you do this in your recovery time as well, because it, it's uh, mentally restorative, is to set yourself a win for the day. 
So it might be when I've done these three things, I've done enough and everything else is a bonus. So you get to feel this sense of achievement. Um, yes, yes. And yeah, so you might want to do that yourself. You might want to, if you can, get a coach. Like we said, there's lots of help out there. A coach is great for somebody who, mm-hmm. you know, might know they want to do it, but are worried about whether they'll stay committed to it. So they can help you stay scheduled to these things to recover and to have this good enough zone really nailed down. And um, and if that's not possible, then get in um, an accountability buddy, somebody in your family, somebody, a friend, um, just somebody you could like even message, these are my three things for today. It could be someone that you live with. Yep. So, yeah, I think that, that's the other thing I would say about um, going back and in, in terms of uh, recovering from from burnout is that mental side mm-hmm. of it that says okay what is enough so I call like a, the done enough zone it's like when, when do I know I'm in that done enough zone now so I can log off I can stop at any point and feel satisfied with what I've done that is certainly something I would use day to day is like a to-do list I have it for work that's kind of constantly rotating but also in my personal life if I've got like life admin and that kind of thing and I know at the end of the day I've done the three things I had to do today or shift them on to tomorrow or schedule them to a particular day and it just it as you say it helps you feel like you've got a control of things you know and that things are being achieved because to be fair the list never actually ends you yeah. just keep progressing it so so what about for people out there who can spot these sort of signs in people they love who maybe haven't acknowledged they're suffering from burnout what can we do to support those people so I think the first thing is what we said before about how you know the things we talked exactly the same things we talked about in noticing yourself you know if you're noticing they seem tired at the end of the day if they may be declining consistently invites to go out and again there's a there's a fine mm. line there because some people you know are struggling with that anyway after the pandemic and getting used to going out and about yeah. again so but in itself it can cause burnout so still the signs the same um so all the things that we said before about what to look for in yourself you know just spin that mirror around mm. and and look for it in okay. your friends and family um and again if you're not looking you might not see it because we have such you know we're all busy and everything else so there is that conscious awareness of looking for those signs and in your friends and family you know not you know them better than anyone else so there's a few strategies you know you might somebody you know well and you think actually they'll respond well if I just say look I've noticed that you, you seem to be busy and you've got a lot on at the moment tell me what can I do to help and you'll know better than anyone else because you'll have a relationship with that person whether they'll respond well to that or not and um mm-hmm. do you think they will this outright offer to help what can I do to help what can I take off your plate they might not ask but being offered yeah. might feel different um to say like yeah. you know can I yeah. take the kids I've got my day off can I take the kids kids to school because I'm taking mine anyway or yeah. whatever whatever it is yeah um Something that I I do. This is probably a bigger a bigger uh, preference for me personally, and I think you know maybe that's because of you know in my family or the relationships um, I have. I tend to be the person who likes to do new things. I like new things. Yes. So yeah. you can be a little bit sneaky because you can say, "Look, I really fancy this new restaurant, <laughs> and I don't want to go on my own. Uh, would, yeah, you, yeah. would you come with me?" So suggesting mm-hmm. something new to do that they, you know, if they're in the grind all the time, okay. or you know, a friend of mine um, told me a lovely story, and it was he was seeing these signs in his mother, and who had recently his, his father had recently died, and um, so she was going through a difficult mm-hmm. time. She was certainly emotional fatigue and burnout with everything that were going on and uh, he'd said to her 
Um, I've, I've been thinking about doing art and there's this art there and I really don't want to go on my own. Do you fancy coming with me? Oh, and, nice. and because she didn't want to be a burden. And this is what happens a lot with this burnout struggle. She, mm. So he, he he kind of masked it up in a lovely way to say, nice. well, I want to do it. Anyway, she fell in love with art and that mm. became her mindfulness. That became mm-hmm. the thing that she, she did. So, you know, I think there's other, different ways to approach this stuff. And, and you, you have the relationship, you will know. But yeah, like suggesting something new can give someone that lease of life um again and an escape route isn't it a kind of an escape route yeah yeah and yeah so I, th- I think I have an outright offering or creating something and inviting them to it to give them the space that they might not create for themselves okay I think we can all identify with what we've just been talking about, whether from our own perspective or having witnessed it in someone we love. Thank you for explaining that so clearly, Kay. It's that time again where we look at some questions we've had from listeners on this episode's topic. Peter got in touch. He says, I've suffered a nervous breakdown in 2017, which meant I was off work for six months. As part of my recovery, I took up triathlon and have gone on to become quite competitive. I find much of my time is taken up with preparing for events or doing other activities associated with it, like bike maintenance, talking to other competitors, that kind of thing. This has really ramped up since lockdown eased and competitions are returning. My wife and kids tell me I'm obsessed, but I love it. And I worry if I don't carry on, I might end up where I was before. I know they think I spend too much time on it and not enough with them. How do I strike a balance without risking my mental health? That's an interesting question. I think we should probably point out here that neither of us are uh, medical professionals and uh, we're, we're coming at this very much from like a high performance or holistic perspective. Uh, if you're worried about your health or indeed your mental health, you should talk to your GP. But what do you think of Peter's predicament there, Kay? I think it's something that a lot of people will relate to, <laughs> whether that is a connection to working a lot, like... Mm-hmm. Um, a workaholic or a, you know being obsessed with your sport um so yeah it's a great question from peter i think a lot of people relate to it and i also i'm really intrigued by the language he's using in that message around you know it's something that he loves and other people are describing it as an obsession yeah. so perhaps you know look if he loves it and it gives him energy I'm not sure how that's going to be too bad of a thing but there's also an element in there of relationship right mm. so if, if he loves what he's doing and it's given his energy then surely you want to keep doing it as long as it's in an environment where it you know he can keep it within that I love it um, zone yeah what's really interesting to me from Peter's question is this bit about um you know the relationship with his family and uh, and again as you know I work with athletes I, I do hear this quite a lot um when passion is burning really, really bright, it can be easy to be quite tunnel visioned and mm. just go down that one route, especially if he's experienced mental health challenges in the past. Yeah. He's had this mental breakdown. That doesn't feel good. Yeah. So um to so to have something in his life that feels good is 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 great. But obviously not to he doesn't want it to be the detriment of his relationship with his family. And I'm mm-hmm. sure his family wouldn't want that either, because I'm sure they enjoy seeing him happy. Yeah. So for me this is more about look, how does this work together? And a couple of my suggestions would would be actually not specifically about whether he does or doesn't do triathlon it it would be more about how does he make it work as a family with everyone so a couple of examples would be like work looking at the training plan so if Peter could be really you know he says he's like always prepping for events and, and and doing activities related to it so my question would be, are you actually writing that plan down mm-hmm. and making it accessible and sharing it with everybody in the family mm-hmm. so that 
everybody can see what that plan looks like. I think one of the things that can cause arguments or conflict or unrest within a family uh, or a team, you know, it doesn't, it could be, you know, family is a team yes, for me. Yes. You know, you're a team of people mm, that mm-hmm. are making things work together yeah. is if it's sprung on them. So perhaps, you know, maybe we'll have breakfast together and all of a sudden Peter says, no, I'm going out for a run. You know, it's that kind of stuff that can cause problems. So, I think two things is um, making a plan and even better than that, sitting down together. So maybe, I don't know, Friday afternoon, Monday morning, Sunday afternoon, whenever it is, sitting down together and saying, right, what's the plan for the week? What, Peter, what are you planning to do? What does your training schedule look like? So you can then have that open conversation and say, well, actually, I was thinking we could uh, have breakfast together that morning. And Peter might then say, okay, well, I'll go for my run or swim or cycle a little bit earlier. I'll yeah. make, make sure I'm back in time. Or you know the family could say actually that's that we appreciate that you're making those changes so let's make let's have breakfast half an hour later so we mm-hmm. can make it work so there's that real collaborative approach to mm-hmm. this training plan and then mm-hmm. yeah so they're involved they feel involved he still gets to do his training mm-hmm. for me it would be more about open conversations sharing and planning together so everybody's on board um, and and the plan can work for everyone so you know you kind of get the best of both worlds. I think that's it. You know, in any family or household, people will have conflicting priorities at different times. And it's about keeping those lines of communication open, isn't it? And being sure not not to lose sight of the bigger picture. And as you said, try not to get that tunnel vision or come away from it if you do, you know. So thanks for all the wonderful advice, Kate. We will see you back here again on The Reset Room very soon. Thanks, Kelly. It's wonderful to be back. If you have a question around this or any other area of performance or personal development for that matter, you can drop us an email to kelly.crichton at jpimedia.co.uk and we'll endeavour to get you the advice you need. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Reset Room. You can follow us on Twitter at reset underscore room, on Facebook at The Reset Room and on Instagram at Reset Room Podcast. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast and tell all your friends about it if you're enjoying it. The Reset Room is a laudable production produced and hosted by me, Kelly Crichton. Our resident experts are Kay Woodburn of grittypeople.co.uk and Amina Walker, who you'll find on aminawalker.com. Please join us again next time.